This is it. Episode two. How you feeling? Feeling blue. <laughs> I'm feeling cool. Feeling cool, feeling blue. Episode two. What we gonna talk about, what we gonna do. Mm. Sip up on my tea. Let me be me. How about we see what we're gonna do tonight at 940? Hey, it's 940, getting kind of late. Had to record at night because, boy, I had to eat. Eight because it's Ramadan. Ramadan is starving me. Oh my God, I'm mother effing hungry. <laughs> I'm not hungry, actually. I did, I did eat good. I had my, my grandma whipped up some potatoes. Oh, I love with, potatoes. With beef and onion. Oh, I love onions and beef. I had oh a side God. of rice with vermicelli. What's vermicelli? Vermicelli is like these thin, tiny little noodles. Oh, okay, okay, so okay. So Assyrian right. Arabs, you know, we whip them, we whip it up in the rice to give it a little bit of texture, a little bit of flavor. Throw the butter on top. Mmm. That does sound good. I'm not gonna lie. And how much of it did you have? Uh, I would say. Exactly two and a half plates. Two and a half plates. <laughs> My God. Shall we give the introduction? I mean, I'm, I'm with it, man. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to Mama's Basement, a podcast for outcasts. You already know the name, but if you didn't, it is Mark. What's up? I'm Ekrem. And basically, this is our journey to figure out who we are and how the influences throughout our lives have shaped us and have shaped our identity. Not just figure out how they shaped us, but to, to remove them from us, to pick them apart, pair off all of the fabrications. I call them fabrications because everything in society is constructed, created by us. So how can we see past all of that and see who we really are? Uh, because I think understanding yourself is the key to understanding everything else. I'm digging the flow tonight. I'm digging the rhythm. We got a rhythm. We got, we got a, rhythm a little going. rhythm. I'm, I'm feeling it. Like we made a, little, a song back a little, in 2012. Yo, that's right. Yo, listen, we ain't even got to go there, but I'm feeling the bob and sway that we got tonight. You know what I mean? But again, uh, tonight we're, we're discussing mental health. But before we get to that, we do want to reflect upon our last episode, recap a little bit, as we did touch upon parenting and other trauma that we experienced throughout our growth. Right, right. I mean... Last week we talked about mom and we talked about how our parents influenced us and specifically our moms and the conclusion we came to honestly I did not expect but it was really revealing to me was the fact that basically the lies I told my mom might have been the seed that started the identity crisis within me because I wasn't able to be honest to the woman that raised me right. so how could I have been honest with myself but as I was thinking about what we were talking about last week I feel like I... Um, I glossed over some of the not so savory details growing up. Right. You know, and I don't I'm I don't want to discredit my parents because my parents were wonderful parents and I think there's, you know, there's people out there who have genuinely abusive parents that Right. the things that I suffered don't even hold a candle to them. But when they tell you they know best, but then they fight amongst themselves all the time. Right. And then get a divorce. Like, I think in my unconscious, I rebelled because I felt like what they were saying was not equal to what they were doing. We felt like we kind of idealized what the relationships are in terms of, like, the feelings, how you should feel, how our parents should have felt, etc. But in reality, we do understand that not everybody's situation is like that. 
So we spoke on it kind of like in the ideal of that, oh, we should have that sit down conversation. We should, you know, have that sit down conversation. Make sure you're open with your parents. Try to get your parents to be open with you. And that's the ideal version. And that would be great. But we both know that that's not the case. And as much as we would want to speak to our parents, our parents usually aren't as open as we would like them to be. As much as they say, come to us and tell us, you know, if something is wrong or if there's an emergency, we have past experiences or people have past experiences where when we did go to them, we were shamed for what we did. You know what I'm saying? We were, we were told we were bad for what we did. There was no real understanding of what we did. There was just condemnation. It was just instant, oh, I'm taking this away. Oh, you don't get this. There was no type of, type of understanding or level reaching whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people, like we stated, like it doesn't even get to that level. If something goes wrong, they're abused or they're neglected or so so many situations could be different. And I think, like I stated in the in the in the previous, um, we really just wanted to highlight on that. You ever get smacked? <laughs> Man, you already know. I, 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 smacked is like the lightest of it. Oh you know what God, I mean? Yes. What? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want no problem. Belt. Oh my goodness, yes. What about you? What about wooden spoon? Wooden spoon, I've gotten the wooden spoon. Okay, okay. The cord from the game. I was just about you know to say, the electric, <laughs> the, cord, electric cord. the electric cord yes, was the, electric cord. the worst. Oh, man. Especially when they unplugged it mid-game because you had to deal with the physical pain of getting lashed and then the emotional pain of losing your progress. <laughs> yo, you crazy. I got it. Yo, you funny. Oh my God. Speaking of, I'll never forgive you for uh, deleting my Jack and Daxter files. Listen, listen. For Madden, seriously, that game, there's no progress to save in Madden. You just play. Listen, you can say franchises, and and this was back on the PS2, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, I should have asked, but it was, um, I apologize. The thing is, you you did ask, but I just didn't text you back quick enough, so you couldn't wait. And you just deleted it. Well, I'm impatient. Or at least I was. I can see why you got smacked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, not to make light of uh, corporal punishment. Yes, no, that's a very serious thing. And and I want to be real because, like, my parents, they're still alive and well, and I love them. I love them dearly. And I think that, like, they didn't, like, beat me in excess. But I was definitely, like, I was definitely hit. Yes. More than a dozen times. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And I think that... I don't know. Like, what, what do you what do you think about that? Like, hitting your kid? Like, uh, in the future, honestly, I don't think I will. Um, I've talked to my girl about it. If if we have children together, like, what what I want to do is really like, if it's a punishment, it's gonna be somewhat of like like physical fitness per se. So it's like, <laughs> oh, like right know. now, you got to do ten pushups because your right. elbows are on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I don't know if I should do it right now, but maybe I'll jump in the back and do that real quick. Yeah, I got you. And then, like, yeah, but stuff like that, like, oh, you're going to have to, like, plank for, like, a minute or something like that or do sit-ups or, like, something. But at the same time, it's still benefiting them because it's like, you know. I I dig that. I dig that. I don't know, man. We tell ourselves these lies. Like, I used to tell myself a lot that, like, I'm just being honest, that, like, hey, maybe getting hit helped me become more well-rounded. I used to say that a lot, yeah. And I know a lot of people still say that today. Like, oh, that's what these kids need is a good ass whooping. Right. So. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've heard that. Yes. It's still said today. Like, even though, like, I think most 
evidence, at least empirical evidence, shows otherwise. Proponents of corporal punishment would be like, well, hitting your kid, especially when they're a little bit younger, will keep them from, keep them second guessing before they do something stupid. Right. But you know what it made me second guess? It made me second guess being honest. It made me second guess like, exactly. you know, how will my parents react if I tell them Precisely. this is what I want to do or this is how I'm feeling or this is what I did, so. I still feel like I should have been more honest, but you know, maybe I can't blame myself too nah, much for No, that. absolutely. And that's and that's the biggest drawback from this is like it's not necessarily to figure out who to blame per se. It's just to analyze. You know what I mean? If you are in serious danger, please get help. That like that's the main thing. And uh that that's that's I think that's a good point to leave it. Like if you're seriously being beaten, like and, and experiencing trouble at home, especially in these times where it's like, you can't even go to school or the daycare was like, might've been your refuge. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is wild, so. You know what though? I don't, you don't need to be beat to be traumatized though no. by your parents. Like, <laughs> honestly, I look back at some of my memories getting hit with fondness. Ironically, it was funny sometimes. Like the, like me crawling up the bed. No, 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 dad, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, okay, listen. Compared to actually some of the other emotional things that I experienced, like I think getting smacked a few times wasn't as bad as the feeling of never being good enough. That I just never felt like I did a great job. Like I could... I could wipe all the windows, vacuum the house, but I left the orange juice lid open. I would get berated for that. Meanwhile, the windows are sparkling spotless, you know? And right. I, I put in all this time to do things. And like, I remember that being a constant thing where I would like, I would do my best, but I would fall short in one little area and I would be criticized profusely for that. That's the thing that ate away at me the most and made me feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, and started that narrative of self-doubt and self-hate. Why were you seeking their validation so much? Especially in just like chores and things like that. Especially chores. Like chores, whenever I did them, I wasn't necessarily seeking, at least myself, like I'm speaking to myself, I wasn't seeking validation for chores because I figured it was just busy work to keep me quiet instead of being (laughs) rambunctious around the house. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know if I sought it or it was just the lack of receiving it that made me seek it in the long run. I I think the constant criticism made me thirst for that one moment where I could finally make them proud, you know? Okay, now can you recall any moment to where like you did receive that and what was your response and like, how did it make you feel? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Like not until maybe later in life when, when, when I got on my feet and like, I course corrected as an adult where I was like, okay, I got a college degree now and I got like, you know, I'm, but I also feel like I'm discrediting my parents because like also trauma has a way of like erasing some of the good memories, you know? Yeah. So I'm sure there were times where they're like, that's why I asked so that. Cause I was like, you. You know, yeah. You know, I'm definitely sure of that. But like, as far as recalling, I don't know. I feel like trauma burrows into your conscience. Whereas those good things, they, ju- they just don't. They kind of sit at the surface. I feel like, I don't know, we're talking a lot about me, and I want to know, like, what's your take on... Why are you doing the Mr. Krabs? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I'm just... like the world's tiniest violin. <laughs> yes, that's, <what> <laughs> that's exactly what it was. I'm ready. 
I mean, like you, I mean, you had a very differently, like I lived through my parents' divorce. Yeah. I lived through years of them fighting. But your your parents got divorced before you were born. Right. And it was just you and mom. And my brother. And your brother. Did you see your dad? Yeah. Yeah. I would see him from time to time. I don't really have any ill will towards my pops or anything like that. Like, if anything, like, the only things I've ever felt is just, like, certain things. Like, I've always had to teach myself only because, like, my mom was working. And so, like, my brother being as old or seven years older than I am, like, he wanted to live his life. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm seven, eight, nine, things like that, like, he trying to do his thing. He, like, 14, 15, 16. So, like, everything was pretty much me just had to figure things out on my own. Like, you know what I mean? Had to teach myself how to play all the sports. Had to, like, just my homework, et cetera. Like, when my mom would come home, she would try to check and things like that. But, like I said, she had to focus on work and things like that, making sure bills were paid, et cetera. So, that was just the big thing. But even still... I'm just, I don't know. I know it's different for other people, but for me, like, I don't really look at it like that. Are you happy, Mark? Am I happy? I don't know if I'm necessarily happy. Like, for me, I consider happy just an emotion, and I can be happy, I can be sad, it is what it is. But I'm I'm content for now. I feel like happiness isn't just an emotion, though. For me, I think that, like, I that's just me. Like, I consider just, like, kind of like the spectrum of, like, feelings or emotions or, like, just, it's just on the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't consider happiness a state. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I, I, don't, I don't consider it that. I think, like, a lot of, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people would disagree. I feel like, especially in, like, if you look in antiquity and, like, classical philosophy, like where our understanding of happiness comes from. I mean, happiness is seen as like the flourishing of the human being. It's seen as like, happiness isn't just a momentary emotion. Like you can be happy and experience sadness, but still be happy because happiness is when you look at the the totality of your life. I don't think so. I think, I think that's more so if you're looking at the totality of your life that's more of looking back on it in a sense of like satisfaction. Are you satisfied with what you accomplished? Are you satisfied with what you've done? Are you satisfied with who you are? I don't consider that happiness. You feel what I'm saying? Especially in the way you just explained it for me, when I hear that, I don't consider that happiness. I consider that satisfaction. Interesting. I think there could be a danger in seeing happiness as just an emotion. How so? Because I think a lot of people judge their own value based on whether or not they're happy. And if happiness is as fleeting as an emotion, there's not a human being in existence. Well, there probably is. I'm sorry. Uh, But from my experience, I feel like most people are not happy all the time. Even the people who are happy in the classical sense that have that sense of human flourishing, that are content with life and all of its trials that are okay and they just, they flow like the river, you know, those kind of people like. But I feel like you're giving credence to my point. Like I said, happiness would then be technically an emotion or, an, or a feeling that you have. Like 
it's something that's fleeting. It's something that almost like the sadness or happiness, like it's something that you would feel depending upon the situation or an event or maybe the circumspect of your whole life, potentially if you are satisfied. I don't know, I think you might be confusing happiness with joy. I don't think so. Cause like, then why, why in the constitution of the United States of America? Well listen, I don't really abide the by the happiness. constitution because we know when the constitution was written, especially when they said free men, people like me weren't free. That's a fact. So I'm not just gonna listen to the constitution. Well, okay, well you just totally shut me down there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, honestly, like, hey, regardless of whether, yeah, the constitution is, is, is a very flawed document. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of correct things within it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. going to be one of those people. We're not no anti-American. Yeah, yeah, we love this country. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> FBI, CIA. I'm here to stay. USA. <laughs> no, but like, it's still like the fact that the, the Constitution, the bedrock of our country is like mentions the pursuit of happiness. Like, if happiness and joy, like if happiness is as fleeting as joy, then the pursuit of happiness is an endless aimless experience. I understand that, but I think the thing you're not taking in from my account is that maybe they could be wrong. Maybe they could have been wrong about what happiness truly is. Maybe we're not chasing happiness. You know what I'm saying? Because if I'm right in saying that it's an emotion, why are we chasing an emotion? You feel me? We should be chasing our, like, we should be chasing the improvement of our quality of life. We should be chasing, like, being productive. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, taking our talents and turning them in, into something tangible. Creating. I get what you're saying. Right. But the thing is, what we talk about, whether we call it contentment, whatever, the whole world, or sorry, our whole country knows it as happiness. That's, they call it happiness. Right. So what I'm trying to say is the real happiness, the ideal happiness, isn't this fleeting feeling. I think we need to go back to the way it was understood when the freaking old thinkers conceived of like, okay, what is happiness? It was that thing. It was that like contentment with life, I guess. I don't think they described it as happiness though. They called it eudaimonia. That's an ancient Greek term. <laughs> Say it again. Eudaimonia. <laughs> I like that. I if like you look that. it up, it means human flourishing and and, and like a uh, peace of mind. But that does not equal hat. Like you see, see, like that's my point. Happiness and things like that. The way I see it, it's just a feeling that you get when like, oh, something went great. You're happy in the moment. But like I said. Something else could happen, and all of a sudden, you're not going to be happy. You're going to feel a different way. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, like, in terms of being content, being satisfied with life, happy with the human flourishing, as you said it, to me, I see that as contentment. That's my, like... So you're saying that we just need to throw the whole idea away, the pursuit of happiness, because... Actually, no, I, I kind of dig it. When you put it that way, I kind of dig it. Because we're always after this feeling of like happiness. Like, ah, oh, like at the end of a day, you know, you just took a walk in the park, you heard the birds chirp, and you come home. There's a nice meal on the table. You sit, you watch your favorite show, whatever, have a hot drink or poisonous drink, like most of the country. <laughs> um, and then and you're happy. Like, that's erroneous. Like, that's not what we should be after. And I think 
we need to reframe the discussion in terms of being okay with being. Yes, that, yes, that's my point. Like, because we are in this pursuit of happiness, when we're not happy, we're like having these thoughts of, okay, what's wrong? What am I doing that's wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not happy? You see what I'm saying? Like, we keep it as like this highest ideal. Like, why am I not happy? The thing is, I think happiness is the, is the standard for mental health, though. Like, when people, at least in an unprofessional sense, like, maybe, maybe the professionals know that, you know, happiness is fleeting, like you're saying, and that, like, it's the whole concept of pursuit of happiness is a big mistake. The fact that we hold happiness as our standard for our mental health, maybe that creates a cycle of mental illness. Or instability. Because... When you feel like you're unhappy, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to speak in the general terms. I'm going to talk about myself. I'm not a very happy person most of the time. And then when I think about the fact that I'm unhappy, it makes me feel even worse about myself. Right. Because I look at like the things that I've accomplished. I look at the blessings that I have, the roof over my head, the production equipment to make this show, the knowledge that I've earned. And I'm like, damn, I'm a sad person, why can't I be content with everything that I've achieved so far? I must be inherently flawed. Rather than recognizing that, look, living is difficult. And most of the time, you're not going to be filled with glee. And you got to be okay with that. Exactly. And it's not like, obviously, if it's beyond just the occasional feelings of self-doubt, and things like that, and it's really serious. Again, we're speaking from our own personal perspectives. What we wanna make sure is that those who are really struggling, please get help. You know what I mean? And just, we just wanna make sure that we're inclusionary, or inclusive. <laughs> inclusionary. It's when, it's when you're an inclusive visionary, you're an inclusionary. <laughs> My man, I dig that. So, we wanna be inclusive to everyone. So. Before we continue on this talk, we just want to make sure that if you do have any comments or anything, make sure you leave it down below. Right. Uh, make sure you, you let us know because not only do we want to learn through our own perspectives, we do want to learn from you as well. Absolutely. Like mental health, it's such a broad topic and I'm not going to lie. Um, we plan to talk about this for a while now, but as the day was getting closer, I was getting hella apprehensive. Oh my God, I'm nervous now. Like, I don't know if you, like I'm shaking still, I'm, I'm nervous now, but like... It's so easy to, I don't want to say something and slip and exactly. discredit anyone's experience with their right. own emotions. Oh my but goodness. For me personally, like speaking on my experience with mental well-being and mental health, I definitely went through it. I went through some serious stuff. I don't know if you could tell, could you tell maybe Well, here's the thing. Back? Here's the thing, for us, I feel like... Going through high school, like it's, we, you know, you go through things. It is what it is. But then as we got into life, I went through my things, you went through your things, you moved away. So like, I guess this is a perfect point to dive into when did that really start for you? Because along with us, obviously we experience things in our private home. We probably don't share that with each other, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But then in terms of what you went through, in terms of college, moving to Chicago, moving to Cali, all those things, like how was that? Because you, you told me before, we talked before, like, it really made you feel some type of way, but I'm not going to speak for you. Why don't you let people know what's good? I was most depressed right before I went to Chicago. Uh, and I think that depression was actually my impetus to leave and to change my situation, to try and change my well-being. Like, it got to a point, my brother, where my internal monologue was just 
I hate myself. You suck. You're not good enough. You suck. I hate myself. And every time I made a mistake, like talking about leaving the orange juice cap off, I would be like, I hate myself. I remember like there was this one time where I had to go get my tire changed and I drove all the way to the mechanic and I forgot my tire at home. I was so disgusted with myself, I couldn't even drive home. I couldn't even drive home. Uh, my girl had to drive me home. I just curled up in a ball in the passenger seat, catatonic. And uh, that was just a regular occurrence, you know, just like constant self-loathing. And I don't know what got me there. Like we talked a little bit about maybe not, <clears throat> me not getting that validation. Right. But I think like, I don't know, I think there's a lot more going on. I, I don't know. It was hard and I did seek help. I did seek help. So you, so you did see a therapist? Yeah, I saw a therapist. Okay. And... There was, it was good at first seeing a therapist. Like, it was really helpful at first, but guess what happened? My insurance denied me. Damn. Yes. They denied me. They, um, God. Uh, so I had to stop. I had to stop, and it just tainted my whole experience with seeking help ever since then. I haven't seen a therapist again. But when I was going to see a therapist, like, it was definitely... A healing process. I um, seeing a therapist like it should be as casual, as accepted, and as widespread as seeing like going and getting a physical. Right. You know. Um, that should be part of a physical. It should be. <laughs> you know what Seriously. I mean? Just literally have the counselor there as well. Not only your physical well-being being checked on, your mental well-being being checked on. It should be like a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I dig that. That's something we just proposed. I hope you guys are listening to mm-hmm. us. I, th- I think that's great. World, yes. Make this happen. Come on. Um, the thing is, like, I think, I think externally, maybe from the outside looking in, and this is why mental health is so tricky, like, I'm, I don't know if people would have labeled me as an unhappy person or as a depressed person, because I knew when I entered society... You knew how to put on that facade. Put on the mask. Yes. You know, I had moves to make. I wanted to make sure my reputation was intact. I didn't go around in a ball rolling, like, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. I hate myself. Right. You know, like, I, you know, I, I smiled, and I, and I projected. Well, well, let me ask you this. Most people would call that the fake it till you make it method. Did mm-hmm. that help at all? Or do Absolutely you think that just... Not. Okay, okay. No, no, now no, speak no. on that a little bit. Did that force things more inside? Did that cause yes. you to hurt more? Yes. And the thing is, what that does for you, when you just completely fake it, you bury your insecurities now, wait, deeper. We don't want to say you. You have to say I. Yes. So when By I, faking it, yeah. I buried my insecurities deeper and deeper, and it just makes the whole healing process so much more difficult. Now, the thing is, I don't think our society is set up to deal with unhappy people. Like, you can't just go around with a frown on your face. So I, I don't fault people, like, if you're a viewer and you're listening and, like, you put on that happy face and you're conscious of that, I don't fault you for that because it's hard to operate right. when you're sad. You have to put on that. But, like, if you don't seek help, like, or by me putting off my help, I allowed it to get to a point where it was just a minor inconvenience to it was devastating and... It was like getting to the point where, like, thank God, like, I never acted on it, but I thought, man, 
dying would be cool right now, you know? But, geez, I like remember like the first sign that I was really unwell. <laughs> this is so stupid. I was playing the game God of War. Yeah. First one. If you ever played that game, it's hella hard. And you get to the final boss, it's mother effing Ares. He's the size of Mount Vesuvius. He's oh just gigantic. God. And I was hacking and slashing him and hacking and slashing him. And I get towards the very end and my PlayStation freezes. Bro, I just laid down, face down on the floor and I didn't move. <laughs> no, not that, not that I didn't move. I couldn't move. Right. My girl comes in, looks at the PlayStation, touches it. She's like, hmm, it's kind of hot. <laughs> she lifted it off the carpet. Literally 30 seconds later, it runs smoothly. And this just goes to show, like, your emotions, <laughs> your emotions can inhibit you from progress right. in a oh, sense. Oh, without question. No, I'm not trying to discredit emotions, though, because emotions are, are I, I don't agree with, like, because we talked about antiquity. I don't agree with reason necessarily being more important than your emotions. I think your emotions are like a, a signal, like a compass. They like point you in the right direction. But right. the thing is like people want to, some people have this like man up attitude about mental health. They're like, you just need to man up, get up, change your situation, and then you'll feel better. How can you change your situation when you literally feel like your body is stuck in mud and frozen and paralyzed and you can't move? Right. And I think that's the difficult part. And I think, again, that hits on something else that we really need to touch upon and that it's anxiety, depression, or any type of mental illness. Um, it looks different within each individual. Just because you might see within somebody like, oh, they look happy. Oh, you're not depressed. Oh, get up. Do what you need to do. You got big things happening. You don't know what that person's going through. Right. You know? And so it's, it's like you just explained, if, if people actually got an insight or a window into the minds of individuals who really struggle with these things, then I really feel like they would understand. And that's almost with anything. You know, when people aren't privy to or don't have access to or don't view things like personally, they speak about it so freely because they just don't understand. You yes. know, it's something that they're unable to perceive because right. it's something that can't be seen. And you know me, I'm a faithful person, but when you're down and out and your mind is not in the right state, like your faith cannot necessarily save you. Um, like I really do believe in God and I do believe God can heal, but you almost need to be at a place like mentally where you can receive that like healing. Um, but I digress. My friend, I'm not gonna let you off the hook. Nah, not without question. Now, real quick, before he dives into me, now, I know, I know this, this looks like, this, I know this segue. looks like. Real quick, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about myself. <laughs> no, 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 real quick. So my thing is, is that we do this because we wanna dive deeper, so I have a few questions okay, for you. That, fine, that, fine. That, you, you then I'm gonna hit that. you back. I, re I respect that, I that's respect what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. So my thing is, so you spoke about this, this depressive state that you were in, how depressed you were. My question is, I know we talked about when did it begin. You said it was when you were about to leave for Chicago. What was leading up to that? Because you said it was before you left for Chicago, but there had to be more that created that doubt 
or yes. that that uncertainty within you. So what was that or do you do you still feel like you're searching for that or do you feel like you have found that out? Are you still currently seeking help? Like what's going on, bro? <sighs> There's a few things going on. One is my own self-perception. I'm a very ambitious person. You know that. Um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Like ambition isn't necessarily a good thing because ambition is part of the things that ate away at my consciousness because I have these dreams, you know? Like I want to do something good in the world. I want to create meaningful movies. and I, I haven't gotten to that yet. And ha- having this goal in mind and not quite being there uh, in a society that really values Uh, professional progress above everything else made me feel inferior in ways where like, you know, why, why, why aren't I able to finish a feature script that's freaking as great as Shakespeare's best work? Like that's the kind of level that I was, the standard I was holding for myself. Okay. I completely understand. Extremely unrealistic expectations and ambitions and high standards and impatience. Right. That's one thing. And part of that might've been my upbringing like you know my parents and this is like, I don't want to fault them for things now, like, now real quick before you dive into your parents I'm sorry I keep cutting them off I like this new thing that you do real quick right <laughs> okay now I have to fight you on this again and fight me ambition versus expectation now would you really say that it is ambition that is bad for you or would you say it was the the unrealistic expectations, expectations. That I like you that I like that better you, it's good to be ambitious but like Ambition, jeez. I think ambition is an internal thing and expectation is an external thing. That's right. And, and like I said, just by going, by listening to you, it sounded like you placed unrealistic expectations on yourself. I don't, just listening to you, I don't think it was a problem with your ambition necessarily. Obviously, you want to make great things. That's great. You want to have that ambition. Mm-hmm. But it's when you set goals or set un like I said, unrealistic expectations for yourself that could potentially cause that schism. But it's not just the expectation itself. It's not just ambition itself. It's how you view yourself relative to that. Okay, yes, I I agree with that. There's like multitudes of layers to it. I agree with that. So I have this expectation, this ambition, like I will, uh, you know, tell a great story. I will, God willing, you know, make a great movie that's meaningful and impactful. I'm not there right now. Viewing my distance from my goal as a fault on my part made me feel less or look less upon myself. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, it sounds like, gosh, I, the thing, the main thing that we did not want to do is use terms and try to come off as experts. That's mm-hmm. like, that's like the main thing right. we did not want to do. Well, speak your mind, brother. But it just sounds like, what's it called? Social comparison theory to where like, Like, in the sense of, like, usually when people, like, when it comes to, like, jobs, school, things like that, depending on, like, where you are, like, you're going to compare yourself to your peers, those, like, around you, laterally, you know? Ah. So, like, in terms of your screenwriting, what you want to do, in terms of your comparisons, it wasn't necessarily laterally in, in correlation to where you are in terms of right now within the industry. Do you get that? So I'm saying like you were comparing yourself to that. Okay, I'm trying to do this. And it was more of like the upwards comparison. Like you just said, you're trying to make this Shakespearean or like this. Ooh, I think I am. (laughs) Shakespearean Syrian. (laughs) 
Uh, you feel what I'm saying? And dude, I, I dig that. I never heard that term before. And you feel what I'm saying? So I feel like in that sense, like, because you are comparing yourself to someone like, you know, who has been in the industry and like is really up there and you want to do that and that's great. That's ambition. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? But because you're comparing yourself to that, all of a sudden you start looking at yourself like, well, damn, I'm not there. Why can't I be there? Like, You know what's the irony behind all of this? Is that to get there, to get to that place, that pinnacle, uh, to basically to achieve your dreams and to meet your goals, you need to have a sound mind. So if you are being down about yourself because you're not that successful person that you want to be, then you're not going to get there. And it's so, so sad to see not only myself, but other people give up on their dreams because they're just too sad and they're not able to access the help that they need. Right. Imagine if therapy and help was so widespread that everybody who had a dream could go and see somebody and talk through their emotions yeah. and learn about social comparison theory and do some EMDR and... <laughs> now you got to teach me that. What is EMC? Now you got to teach me. Teach I, I don't even know if I should talk about it because EMDR is, a, is an actual like therapeutic practice. It's okay, like, okay, okay. I got you. I got but you. it's something that my therapist started doing with me and it basically what it does is it takes your feelings and your emotions and shifts them over to the rational part of your brain so you can process them. So they're not just like pent up, locked up in a box, abstract. You understand why you're feeling and you're able to face it head on. Um, Now the second thing that I think really depressed me. Yes, because we're getting back to that and then you're gonna question me, let's go. Aside from divorce, because my parents got divorced around the time that I was entering college and I was starting to have that social comparison and that I think definitely hit sparked a flame because like my dad was my role model seeing the way he fell out with my mom just like kind of shattered my world kind of shattered what I thought like virtue was and what I thought like my whole worldview was like holy cow yeah anyways we we're done talking about parents um (laughs) at least for this episode yes I think we have a collective well-being and I think there were things happening in the world that I could not fathom and that were hurting me. All right, I'm just gonna put it all right out there. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious if you know me and if you know my work, I'm Syrian. And we had the bloodiest, most catastrophic, most deadly civil war in recent history. Where there's more Syrian refugees right now than there were refugees coming out of World War II that just devastated Europe. And to see my people, little kids that look like me, drowning up on shores to see every other effing country deny them freedom, deny them entry, and to know that that was our state, that that was our human condition, that that's how the world regarded my people, I could not get that out of my conscience. And I think that I'm going to be very general right now, but I have a lot of conviction in this generalization. I do think there's a collective well-being. I do believe that we're seeing a rise in mental health issues for many reasons, but I think, like, let's come on, let's look at what's been going on in the world for the past two decades, and do you really think that with so much human suffering, so many tears 
poured out in the ocean that we're swimming in, that we're not going to internalize some of that pain, even if we're thousands of miles away. Like you wonder why substance abuse is on the rise. You wonder why people are just so unhappy. And it's not COVID. It's been going on for a while. Absolutely. Our world is, is bleeding. It's unhealthy. And I just internalized so much of that, maybe to a greater extent than the average person because it hit very close to home. But like, don't you think, I mean, you live in this earth, don't you, doesn't it make you sad sometimes? Just. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Uh, what's crazy is, is that me and my girl would read a bunch of articles and we were just looking at an article and forgive me for forgetting the name of the website, but we we're looking at the femicide and the rape that occurs to women and young women like, all across the world and just the things that we were learning like really just turned my stomach. I don't want to make this so depressing. Yes, I like, want people to be yes, uplifted, but like, right. here's my theory. My theory is even if you never watch the news, if there's sadness and suffering in the world and it's rising and increasing, I think there will be a ripple. I, I, I don't know quite how to explain it scientifically, but like, you could try this at home. Right. Walk around with a frown on your face. Don't explain it. Don't say anything. Just walk around with a frown on your face. I bet you whoever you live with will, will feel upset at some point. Right. Now, extrapolate that to millions of people wailing, crying, bleeding, hurting. We, I think our whole collective consciousness is just down. And I think that we... we we all look towards like self-care and self-help and, you know, go on a walk, meditate, breathe, buy yourself a bottle of wine, right. take care of yourself, put yourself first for once. <laughs> and we think that's going to be the antidote to our deep suffering? Like, wow. seriously? I think we got it twisted, man. Anyway. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> look, we got, we're trying to be positive and we're trying to learn about ourselves you know, like yes, yes, we, we, and we do need to bring this back to identity. But I do have a couple questions for you. Oh yes, so we ended, or we got off on this tangent. Yes, this this, this diatribe. We apologize. Probably edited it out. Whatever. Nah, I'm gonna keep it every single word we just said. <laughs> this is okay. important. Right, right. You know, we we there's some gems in there. There's some rambling in there. Whatever. Now, we're back to you. I am better now, and I think a couple things helped me get better. One was having people who love me uh, not give up on me. Like, I, I feel like if I didn't have Kelly and like my mom, you know, even though she smacked me when I was a kid, <laughs> if I didn't have like people like that, my sisters, my brother, you, my homie. I do uh, my best. But also making a decision to change my situation. You know, self-care isn't merely like, like I said, going on a walk and treat, putting yourself first for once. You know, you, you really got to sometimes do things that, that may radically change your situation. Like I made the decision to move out of this house and go to Chicago because this is the house my parents got divorced in. And also I thought, hey, I really want to tell a great story. I should go back to school. I should learn something. I should do something to change my situation. So making a decision to not just sit in the place where my sadness was festering, but to go out and, 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 and see the world. And also like 
I did a lot of community service. Like, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but self-care is a myth. Hold up, hold up. Okay, so what I just said there was probably a mistake, I guess, because my wife, who is a counselor, social worker, has just schooled me, so she, she wants to interject right here on self-care. Yeah, so, I mean, I just thought that Ekram kind of was hating a little too hard on self-care. You called it a myth, which, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I get what he's saying, you know, helping other people, doing good things for other people, it brings rewards, it makes you feel good, and that is true. And But then I also have other clients, and that obviously there are so many people in the world who... Maybe every single day they are taking care of a sick parent or they're a single parent and they have kids that they are taking care of and nobody's taking care of them. So self-care, that's where self-care comes in. And, you know, like the way I kind of look at it is if you're a tool, but you're a dull tool, you're not going to be able to fix anything. You have to keep yourself sharp and that's where self-care comes in. It keeps you sharp so that you can give to other people so you can do good things. Otherwise, people burn out. So it's, it's more than just like, buying yourself gifts on Amazon like I've been doing lately. <laughs> it's not just overindulgence, it's important. I, I, I organized a conference for youth um, back in 2017, right before I left for Chicago. It was like, it was like boom, boom. I was going overdrive to try and change my situation. Right, absolutely. And I think like maybe like 50, 60 kids attended, but to see them inspired at the end of the weekend, like I felt like, wow, I can do something in this world. I don't need to hate myself, you know? I like that story a lot. And, no, go ahead. What were you about to say, bro? I was about to turn this out around on you. I'm sick of talking about myself. Wow, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm ready for whatever, though. Matter of fact, sir. Oh, man. King Labati. Oh, my Marcus Lord. Gordon. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> there is one thing that I kind of want to get a better understanding oh, of. Oh, Lord. You. Here we go. My dude, I don't know if you remember early on when I was making films, like I casted you in a project and I thought you were brilliant. Oh man. And I wanted to cast you in many more. Mm -hmm. And I invited you to auditions and you didn't show up. <laughs> right. You could have been a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. We C talked about it at the question. time. Yeah. And I think you said something uh, that I didn't quite understand. You said you fear being successful. <laughs> yeah, um, at least at the time I did, or maybe I didn't really know what I was talking about, but um, for a long time, or at least in that time, or at that moment in my life, like everything I had done, like, had pretty much been half-assed, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, as much as people would give me praise or say, yo, you did this great, or yo, you did this like, most of the time, there wasn't really much at stake or like, like I said, I was really just coasting. You know what I mean? I don't see that as a cool thing. I see mm. it as what, what really impaired my development for a long time. And so in that moment, I should have went to the audition because it's another thing that could have opened my eyes to a different adventure. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't because... A, I was scared, and B, it really was just self-doubt. Like, I just, a lot of the times, I just feel like I'm not good enough. You Why? feel what I'm saying? Um, 
I guess it's just past experiences or I guess kind of like what we were talking about before, just like comparing yourself to others, whether it's favorably or unfavorably. Um, and I would often do that a lot, whether it was to myself or whatever other standards somebody might have of me or what I have of myself. Like, I, man, I'm very hard on myself, you know? So that's that's what it really came down to, just like for for... Hell, even till now, like, I just doubt myself a lot, whether it comes to me speaking, whether it's me doing something or be a part of something. It's like, what am I really providing? Like, what am I really doing? Like, and you know, like I said, like, I just really look down on the things that I do. And so that's why I want to improve, like, how I view myself and the way I speak about myself, because other people seem to really dig me. And not like to speak like that type of way about myself, but just like other people seem to enjoy my my company. And oftentimes I would talk bad about it, be like, uh, I don't I don't I don't wanna go around them because they might get annoyed with me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't wanna overstay my welcome, like and I'll have these uh, thoughts running through my mind and it's stuff. Like- you know people like you, so you don't wanna do that one thing that won't make them exactly, like you anymore. Exactly. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because like that is the complication of mental well-being. Like you can look happy, go lucky. Not just look happy, go lucky. Right. You can be loved by people and still loathe yourself. Right. How does that work? I At mean, least with you like you were clearly being called for, you know, you were it's clearly, I like somebody saw value in you. Right. Why was it so difficult for you to see value in yourself? Honestly, like I stated before, just like the way I viewed myself, like was very distorted, extremely distorted. Whenever it came to like moments that could either be beneficial to my life, or you know, progress or change or something that would be different than what was. I guess you could say the comfort at the moment, um, anxiety would rise, you feel me? And so through that anxiety would be one of two things. I would either make the wrong decision and basically leave, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of those decisions came like, as it pertained to like jobs or school or things like that, like, "Mm, you know what, I shouldn't do this. This isn't right for me and stuff like that. Or like, it would just lead to indecision. You know what I mean? Just just like constantly analyzing like, oh, should I do this, should I do that? And it would just lead me in the middle of the road and you would get nowhere. So like, it, it really was just very consuming and uh, I think it was just wild. Indecision is huge. It can be underestimated because a lot of us get indecisive and I think a lot of us allow our indecisions to like almost like metastasize into mental illness. It's like, I don't know whether I should do this or I should do that. I don't know. And then eventually you just like feel incapable of doing period, right? Exactly. And that's what I was about to get into. I felt like what I really struggle with more so than anything is my anxiety. And I feel like because of my anxiety, like the decisions I make, the resulting consequence usually leads to depression. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like all of a sudden now I'm like, well, now I'm in this situation again. Like I knew I should have did better, but I didn't. You know what I mean? And instead of doing what I should have done, I 
caved again. Or like, you know, I'll start having those type of thoughts. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like we have kind of like this I idealistic view of ourselves or who we want to be mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying based upon our beliefs you know our attitudes whatever like whatever we're doing you know our roles whatever like it it defines us or at least in our mind it does right you know what i'm saying so for us like it's it's really important to try to reach that or at least like act in accordance to our ideal selves you know what i'm saying and yes. like a lot of times when we don't or like we feel like whatever we chose to do isn't in accordance with that ideal self or whatever your beliefs or attitudes are, then it really creates this disharmony within like yourself, your mind, like, and it can really be paralyzing. But here's the thing. I think we need to stop blaming ourselves for that experience. Right. Because we have ideals, but we have a human body, an animal body, like point blank period, a body that needs rest, a body that needs entertainment. Not right. needs it, but like, you can't just work, 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 work right. nonstop. Yeah. Now, I had this ideal, this the rational part of me, my mind part, you know, I wanna become this person, this filmmaker, this whatever, but I probably didn't do the things that I should do 24 seven to achieve that. Am I wrong for that? Should I be mad at myself for that? Or is that just being? Is that just like, should we cut ourselves some slack maybe? Because yes, we have our ideals. We also have our body. Right. We also have our spirit. We also have, in addition to our desire to succeed in our careers, we have a need to form relationships and to have fun with our friends, to go on dates, to watch our favorite show and you know and i think that like that like i don't know we could go the other way where we like go way too much into appeasing our bodies right but i don't know like i think it's okay to slip up every now and then yeah absolutely and i think that's the big thing with with mental health and i think people don't understand it's like most people look at it like well it seems like they're just having a bad day like get over it but the thing with mental health is that that's not how it goes within at least when we were in those states that's not how it went it wasn't like oh i can just get over it it was literally paralyzing mm -hmm. it put us in states where it was like it was almost impossible for us to just get up and get over it mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that's the important part about it that we definitely need to highlight you know 100 since this is a show about identity and us trying to figure out who we are without the influences of society i want to say and i want to end at least with me with this screw being happy <laughs> be yourself and just be it's okay if you're not happy all the time right internalize accept your sadness and realize that sadness is a part of being and it means you're alive. It means your heart's working, it means you're feeling things because let's be honest, the world is kind of uh, right now. <laughs> so you better, you shouldn't be feeling happy-go-lucky all the time, but right. you also shouldn't be, like I shouldn't be down on myself for, for being feeling down. down. Exactly, and that's the, I feel like that's the highlight of this show. The main thing is, is that it's okay to feel down. You can, you can literally, and I feel like it's important to critically analyze why you're feeling down. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, what is it you're feeling? Why, et cetera? Now, granted, we're speaking ideally about it, and, and maybe you can't do that yourself. Maybe you do need to seek out help, speak to somebody you're close to, whatever it may be. But I think that that's the big thing. Understand that sometimes you are going to feel down, and that's okay, too. But if it does persist and it becomes a consistent thing where you're consistently doubting yourself, you have persistent self-doubt and it's almost as if you can't accomplish nothing or you feel like you don't want to accomplish anything or you feel like you have no purpose, no reason, etc., then definitely you should seek right. help. And like I said, seek the support of your loved ones. And uh, like I said, just please get the help that you need because that's, that's the aim here. And talk about your emotions. Talk oh, about them. Yes. We just spent an hour and some change talking about our emotions, and I already feel like a huge, huge weight. <laughs> don't you feel that? Do you feel like a little lighter? Like I feel like I, I, might, I feel good. I feel I'm like, a... like I might dance. <laughs> I don't really know how, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Hey, man, listen, dancing is just an expressive. Like you know what I mean. You just gotta let it out. Just wiggle, uh, wiggle. Yeah, you know what I mean. You just know. like let the wiggles out, shake a little bit. All right, and that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Mama's Basement. Man, we didn't write an outro. Yeah. <laughs> we wrote an intro. We didn't write an outro. Look, it's as simple as this. Like we stated before, we understand that the episode on mental health, there's a lot of complexities to it. So please, being a viewer of the show, please leave your, your perspective, what you've battled with, what you've been through. Um, if you're comfortable enough doing so, um, it will really mean a lot to us, like, like we stated in the beginning. We not only want to learn from what we've been through, our perspectives, but we also want to learn from your perspective. Please, please, yeah, let us know what you think. I mean, I think with a topic as big as mental health, the more input we can get, the better and we may actually pick this up in another episode oh without um, question but for now thanks for tuning in we appreciate your viewership and also we're running a contest uh we're gonna offer a year of kindle unlimited you know when you're on the subway and you don't want to carry all your books but you got your phone in your pocket well you can carry a whole library so all you got to do to enter the contest is subscribe and leave us a comment and we will pick someone at random to receive one whole year of Kindle Unlimited. That's a library of, I think, thousands if not millions of books right at your fingertip. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us in Mama's Basement. And hopefully one day I can get the hell out of this place. <laughs> when I'm happy enough. Or not. When I'm at peace. When I'm content. Mama's Basement, a podcast for outcasts, was made possible with post-production support by Barack Spoth, animation by Jacob Huss, intro and outro music by Charlie McCormick, marketing by Inderjeet Singh, with a special thank you to Narin Guyan. Every episode will also premiere on YouTube, so if you want to see us, check out our channel simply titled Mama's Basement. We'll be here every Sunday. This is a True Intent production shot in my mom's basement. Oh boy. See ya. <laughs>